Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you. I thank you that you've been doing your work here, Gary. I thank you for the preparation that has gone before this moment um, to prepare um, the word in season that you have for each individual. God, I thank you that you are personal and that you are intimate and there is something for each person here this morning. God, I just want to um, I pray for open hearts, open minds. Father, I pray for a breakdown of misconceptions or assumptions that we have about you. Father, to be able to hear with fresh ears, see with fresh eyes and understand anew and the understanding to move from our heads to our hearts. God, I just pray and thank you that you have a work to be done and that we can join you in that if we are willing. So God, I just thank you for Gary. I pray that you would help your message to come clearly, that you would remove anything of him that might um, cause any distraction. Father, I just thank you that you um, have a mighty work to do this morning. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I'd like you all to stand just for a second. Uh, we're going to think about these Anzac fellas and, and women. Um, I dare to say there wouldn't be too many people in the room, if any, who haven't had a grandfather, grandmother, uncle, aunt, great-grandfather, whatever, who was involved in two world wars. I don't know about the Boer War. I don't think we can go that far back. But two world wars, Vietnam, Korea, uh, Afghanistan, you know, you name it. And um, regardless of where people were born, they served to keep this country free. But to do all we can to maintain that freedom, right? So I'm just going to repeat the ode and then we're going to take one minute of silence just to reflect on the cost of the freedom that we take for granted. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them lest we forget. Thank you. You can be seated. If you're like me, when you do that one-minute silence on Anzac Day, you sit there thinking, I wonder who's keeping time. <laughs> and it's my guess that uh, it, um, in an official occasion, like the start of the big game yesterday, uh, they have someone counting. Was it yesterday or the day before? Anyway. And uh, the rest of the time, we just sort of guess, well, <clears throat> it's about a minute, I think which is what I did. Uh, anyone else in the room uh, been through COVID? Had a, yep, okay, a fellowship of the, the afflicted. And we're still standing. All right. Um, my voice is a little bit husky, so that's why I've got a glass of water here. <clears throat> but you think this sounds bad. Check this, hey. 
I almost got a recording contract for this. This is me. Is that cool? I was born under a wandering star. What a voice. Wheels are made for rolling. Mules are made to pack. I've never seen a sight that didn't look better looking back. Usually. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Please. I'm about to sign a contract. <clears throat> ah, man, now I'm not a bass singer at all, but man, that's how I sounded for a few days, courtesy of COVID. So I took the opportunity to record it for posterity. I sent it to Coast FM. They just laughed. Oh, anyway. Well, I just want to talk today briefly because of this. <clears throat> well, that's the plan anyway, <laughs> uh, about focusing on the promise and not the process. It's okay to have a promise from God and to believe it like Judith was suggesting before, to ha get hold of something that God has said he would do and then expect to see it and it doesn't happen for a long, long time. Uh, thinking about the Anzacs and the heritage and the culture of Australia, uh, it's a bit of a larrikin nation, and we all love a good story of the underdog, correct? We love the underdog to come out on top. Yeah, baby, he made it, she made it. Uh, a classic modern one, which isn't an Australian, but it's a good story anyway, is the account of a young, very passionate British bloke and his dream to qualify for the Winter Olympics as a ski jumper. You've seen the movie, right? Eddie the Eagle. It was a movie that portrayed the life of Michael David Edwards, better known as Eddie the Eagle, an English ski jumper, an Olympian. In 1988, he became the first competitor in 60 years to represent Great Britain in Olympic ski jumping. Because there are not a lot of ski jumpers in Great Britain. He finished last in the normal hill and the large hill events, but he held the British ski jumping record from 1988 to 2001. Now, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't, I'll tell you this. As a kid, his dad, Terry, thought Eddie's dreaming about being a sportsman was an utter waste of time. Why can't you give up his stupid dreams and learn how to be a good plasterer and work with me? Because dad, Terry, was a plasterer. Eddie however, was so focused on keeping the dream alive. And, of course, that straight away took me back to Freiheit. You probably don't remember that band. They had one hit. And this is my only rock and, ro rock and roll reference today, okay? Keeping the dream alive. The word said the hopes we had were much too high, way out of reach, but we had to try. We're keeping the dream alive. Good song, Ashley. So he did. So he eventually left home, much to his dad's disgust. 
And in order to earn money as he trained, Eddie worked part-time jobs, including mowing lawns, babysitting, working in hotels and cooking. He travelled the European ski circuit in his mother's car and used a helmet given to him by the Italians and skis from the Austrian team, which is not quite the same as what the movie said, but that's the facts. The British Olympic Committee were a real pain in the butt. They kept knocking him back, but with sheer persistence, Eddie earned the right to go to the Calgary Olympics. Nothing was going to turn Eddie off, pursuing his belief that he could do this. Against all odds and despite having no support or signs of encouragement. Now that's admirable and we love that story. In the Old Testament there's a couple of classic examples of people who took a hold of God's word and had to wait just a wee while. The story of Abraham. It was a tale of belief, persistence and dedication. Two old folks living in a place called Ur and they had no kids now Abe probably felt that meaningful life for him and Sarah had passed them by but God gave Abraham a promise which seemed like a bad joke at the time it involved them becoming parents (laughs) and Abraham becoming the father of a great nation and this is in their old age so the end of the story is after uh, persuading Sarah (laughs) that this was fair dinkum and it wasn't a bad dream and years and years of travel eventually it all come to fruition and the nation of Israel came because of the obedience of Abraham and the way he hung on to God's promise that he would do what he said he would do. The other old story is about Noah. It's another crazy example of hanging on to a conviction that God has given you a project that doesn't make any sense for 120 years. Can you imagine the ridicule? 120 years, he's got this promise from God. God wants me to build a floating zoo. And the kids go, oh, that's terrific, Dad. And who's going to build this? Well, funny you should ask, boys. Shem, Ham, Japheth, where it? So for 120 years, they built this floating zoo with no rain happening at all. Might have been a few showers, but no significant rain at all. And God came through. So they're they're really important examples for us to hang on to and to be encouraged by. It's a great privilege as people following Jesus to have access to God's promises and most significantly to be involved in his purposes. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 tells us clearly, He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now, that's a pretty spectacular promise in itself. It says that we followers of Jesus get to share the life, the passion, the attitude, the responses, and the love of Jesus himself. Participate in the divine nature. We get to be participants in God's redemption plan and express his kingdom in the way we do life. Like making sure you pay for two avocados instead of one. Just a small thing, 
but it is all the small things. Okay? We look after the small things. God will take care of the big ones. I wonder if anyone in this room has ever taken hold of one of God's promises. Have you ever prayed for something that you believe is God's will and you're still waiting to see it happen? Any hands? Still waiting? Yeah, I believe it. Fingers crossed. A lot of our life as followers of Jesus is lived like that. Anticipation, belief, conviction that God's going to come through. What do you do with a promise or a vision or a prayer for help or for deliverance or for employment or healed relationships or salvation for a friend or a family member until you see it happen. What do you do? You're not on your own. Uh, I wonder where our, uh, what our grandson, Josh, is wrestling with. He's seen uh, three mates in trouble, deep trouble. One of them now dead. The other two guys are going to go to court, I guess, for manslaughter. Or the driver will. Horrible, horrible stuff. So what's it do for Josh's faith? If it was you, would you be thinking, you know what, I should have talked about Jesus more. I should have explained to them how to become a believer in Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what he's wrestling with. It would be interesting to sit down and hear his heart. But much of our life as followers of Jesus is that frustration of not yet seeing what God said he would do. So here's the number one. Focus on what you're going to and not what you are going through. It's a human tendency for people who are keen to see more and more people saved, blessed and discipled, right? We think we have to take care of every step in the process. We try to manipulate and arrange circumstances and repentance and faith. Huh. Give it a break. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot manipulate God's plan. We have to be big enough to say, I believe God's going to do it and I'll do my part, but how it actually happens, the actual process is up to his spirit. Here's the verse to cling to when we don't see any progress. It says in 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15, and we are confident we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. We know that he will give us what we ask for. Amen? Yep. Easy to say and easy to say amen to. Not so easy to hang on to long term. Number two. Get a vision of what you want in your mind and live in it until you see it. Whatever you focus on will expand, so remember to focus on the promises of God to be sustained. It's called living in the vision. And it's an interesting challenge to our practical Salvation Army way of doing service. However, it is very difficult, in fact it's impossible, to overlook the prime example of Jesus doing just that. Because it says in the scripture, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Right? 
If I read my Bible correctly, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's feeling very human. He wasn't feeling divine at all. He was feeling like, this is going to hurt. And little did he, well, maybe he did, but he didn't really at that stage realize that the greatest pain would be the separation he felt from his heavenly father because all of your sins and all of my sins were put on Jesus' shoulders when he was nailed to that cross. But he knew the whip was going to hurt. He knew the ridicule was going to really be emotionally draining. Probably didn't know about the crown of thorns, but he knew it was going to hurt. And he certainly knew that crucifixion was a terrible... Thank you, Sarah. That uh, crucifixion was an incredibly painful way to die. It was slow and it was agonizing. He knew all that. So in the garden, he's hanging on to this promise, this conviction... And yet he says, if it's, if it's in any way possible, Father, can you take this cup from me? Can you get somebody else to do this? Seriously? I don't want to do this. I'm either the Messiah or I'm a maniac. And a maniac wouldn't go and be nailed to a cross for a lie, right? But he knew and was convicted that this was his purpose in living. It was the reason he was on this earth. He hung on to it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So that process of torture and crucifixion didn't stop Jesus because he was focused on the long-term goal, the promise of salvation for all of you blokes and all you ladies out there and every person who's ever named Jesus as Lord and Saviour. That's what got him through it. It wasn't just grit your teeth and hold on. So I just want to say, Lord, show us what that means for each of us in our hopes of salvation and wholeness for those that we care about. Third point, as you wait for God's promise to manifest, to to actually happen, make sure you're waiting with intention and expectation and not just sitting around idly. If biblical waiting is about readiness to serve, then it is only ever an active thing, not simply being on hold. I'll just wait till I see this. Get on with life. Get on with living. Be involved. Love people. Love life. Love God above all. Keep looking sensitively for opportunities to serve as a whole lifestyle. I don't know how you feel about this, but if all leadership lived this way... We would have a great country, right? Either side of the political spectrum and all the other independents, if they all lived this way, we would have a great country. We'd have a great church community and we would have a great world. And one final thing, and this is where I'm pulling it in. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 tells us whatever is born of God has the victory over this world. So his ideas work. Ours have no guarantee at all. So relax and trust God through the process because he wins and you win if you're on his side. Everything I do or say is either born of God, that is, it's his idea, 
or it's my idea. And I've been in that pickle. You've all done that. Probably have you got this great idea. I think it's God's idea and maybe it's not. These people come and say, I've got this gift. And you say, oh, maybe you should give it back. (laughs) It's not such a great gift. It sort of irks people and gets up their noses and it doesn't really bless anything. If it's my idea, it's destined to ultimately be pretty ordinary and ineffective in its impact. So God, grant us more of your ideas so that we're on the winning side each day. Help us to discern the current process that is necessary for me to ultimately gain the fulfillment of biblical promises. While we're wrestling with the process and just waiting and waiting, hang on to the promise. Remember Martin Luther King Jr.? What did he say? I have a dream. I have a dream. And he gave this fantastic speech about the dream. It's still not totally fulfilled, but he believed it and he was committed to it and it started an agitation amongst the culture or in the culture of the United States of America that began to transform their attitude to other races, correct? I have a dream. One day, black kids, white kids will walk together. What's your dream? What are you hanging on today in God's name to see it happen? Joshua's army believed that the walls of Jericho would fall down when they confidently marched around them. You remember the story? Joshua got this word from God. We're going to take Jericho. You know how we're going to take it? God's going to do something special. We're not going to clamber the walls and fight our way up there and lose people in the process. God says, you just walk around these walls and they will fall down. So they started walking full of conviction, full of passion, full of excitement. Let's see what God's going to do. And off they go, worship team leading them. And all the soldiers, they're marching around the walls and they get all the way back to where they started and nothing. On and on and on and on and on and on they marched. And after seven times around the walls, which is God's number, isn't it? Seven? Hey. Seven times around the walls... Down came the walls. Now, friends, you might be waiting for the walls to fall to give you access to something that you believe is God's plan for your life. Maybe you're still waiting. The song we're about to sing says, Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But here's the conviction. But you have never failed me yet. Hallelujah. Many of you know this song, so let's sing it from our hearts as we reflect on this fact that God is going to come through. When you take hold of God's promise and do your bit and wait, 
He will come through. He has said he would. It's not easy waiting. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Stay happy. Don't become a miserable coot just because you haven't seen God working yet. There's enough miserable coots around without Christians dropping their bundle. Let's think about this while we sing together. And if it means you're going to take hold of God today in a fresh way, mercy seat here, or just standing where you are, that's up to you. It's between you and God. But take hold of the promise, the Word of God, that you need to believe today. And perhaps the first promise you've got to take hold of is that when you have the Son, you have life. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and Saviour of life, you are born again. You have a new, fresh start. You are not the same anymore. Hallelujah. Wrestle with it. Take hold of it as we sing.